0: Good morning, Easter people. It is good to see you uh, today. I'm glad that you have joined us in worship today. And uh, William James uh, writes this text from this hymn. It says this, Easter people, raise your voices. Sounds of heaven and earth should ring. Christ has brought us heaven's choices. Heavenly music, let it ring. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia easter people let us sing and so let's do just that easter people and crown him with many crowns
1: all of our music this morning is under the direction of our minister of music richard suggs
2: Prayer, Reverend Bruce
3: Herman. We sang four verses of crown him this uh, with many crowns this morning. Did you know that there are actually eight more verses? In those twelve verses, the authors remind us that Jesus deserves a crown as the Lamb upon the throne, the Virgin Son, God incarnate, the Lord of love, the Lord of peace, the Lord of years, the Lord of heaven. He is the Son of God, the Lord of light, the Lord of life. He is the Lord of lords. He is Lord of all. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are worthy of all these crowns. You are worthy of all honor and glory. You are deserving of being crowned Lord of our lives. May our praise and lives honor you this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen.
4: Well, welcome to Snyder Memorial Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us this morning for worship. I'm Karen McCamus, I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries.
5: And I'm Aaron Ashley, the Interim Director of Youth Ministries.
4: And we are excited to worship with you this morning. If you'd like to know more about worship this morning or follow along with us, please check out our order of worship. It's on the Snyder's website, snydermbc.com. And you can go to the worship, learn and give tab and you can find the order of worship and follow along with the words and see what's going on today. Aaron, did you hear those wonderful voices singing in that last hymn that we just did?
5: Yes, it was amazing. We are blessed. Uh, honored today to have the Hubbard Family Singers with us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Didn't they sound wonderful?
4: It was just gorgeous. I just, I mean, those voices, just heavenly. Yes,
5: (laughs) yes, amazing. On that note, uh, I would like to just remind everyone we're going to, we're going to have more Wednesday night meals. Um, In fact, there's going to be some available this Wednesday. It's barbecue chicken dinners, Mm. uh, $5 a plate uh, and a max of $20 per family. Uh, You'll be able to pick those up at the Fellowship Hall doors between 4.30 and 6. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. But you will need to call the church office uh, by Tuesday at 5 p.m. to put a reservation in. Um, Karen, I saw something else about the upcoming National Day of Prayer.
4: Yes, so National Day of Prayer is May 7th this year, and the the theme this year I thought was very interesting and good for us this year is pray God's glory across the earth. I can't think of a better time to do that than now, so be watching for May 7th for the National Day of Prayer. Uh, We'll have more details to follow with what we're going to do as a church family, and um, just invite you to come along. There's, There's power in prayer, and so I can't wait to see what God can do to spread His glory across the earth. Um, with this national day of prayer yes. um, you know Aaron uh, one of my other favorite parts about worship other than prayer is the singing yes you know so I think Giles and the band have something for us this yes. morning that we can't wait to sing with
0: thanks Karen <clears throat> fear of death can no more stop us from our pressing here below for our Lord empowered us to triumph over every foe hallelujah Hallelujah! On to victory, now we go. And Psalm 103 says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul; bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who redeems your life from the pit. That is victory. Who who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, victory. Who heals all your diseases, victory." Who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles that is victory bless you lord oh my soul all that is within us bless your holy name bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his own.
1: Our hearts will
0: this air this breath that you have put into us we sing worthy are you lord worthy of honor and glory and power and strength worthy of all that we are and all that we can give and I pray that you would help us to give our whole selves our whole lives committed and dedicated to You and to Your work and to Your Word and to Your witness in this world that we might be day in, day out, moment by moment Easter people. In Jesus' name,
6: Good morning, and thank you for joining us for worship this morning. It's been a week since Easter Sunday has come and gone, and I'm here to tell you this morning He has still risen, and He has risen uh, 2,000 years ago. will never die, and we will never die either as we place our faith in Him. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, this morning about eternal life. Uh, His resurrection on our behalf is a game-changer. It's a life-changer. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about eternal life and in the coming weeks about what it means to have this relationship on an ongoing basis with the risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel according to John, the 17th chapter. This is the longest prayer that we have in the Bible. It's one that Jesus prayed, and he prayed it on the night that he was taken into custody uh, and the night before he was crucified. And so I want to read... Uh, Just the first five verses of that chapter, John 17, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of God for the people of God. Are we there yet? We've all heard that question, especially if we have young children. I have, I'm sure, asked that question, and I'm sure as my mom and dad are listening to this uh, sermon this morning, they are saying amen. Uh, Sitting in the back seat of a car, whether we were moving wherever the army was uh, reassigning my dad or whether we were on the road on the way to relatives' homes, uh, we, my three sisters and I sitting in the back seat would, I'm sure, say on a regular basis, are we there yet? We hurry through life to get to our next destination, and we fail to enjoy the journey. We do the same thing when it comes to our Christian faith. We place our faith in Jesus Christ to receive the gift that he came to bring us, this gift of eternal life. But we view that life subconsciously or consciously as life beginning as a reality at some point in the future down the road, the distant future. You know, when we die and go to heaven. The Bible says God has set eternity in the human heart. We find that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. We sense deep down in our heart that there is something more than this transient world. But most of us think of eternity as an endless duration of time. And yet we hunger for more than an extension of the life that we experience in the here and the now and so we live with a restless impatience that asks are we there yet I have struggled for years with what I'll call the disconnect Between the celebration that we all have on Easter Sunday, we come to the church normally, not this year, in droves to celebrate the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that we have our hope in him. And then almost immediately every year, and I'm in this same group, we go back to life as normal, as if nothing has changed. We're so focused on our future life in heaven that we're missing the abundant life that Christ came to bring us now. And in part, I think it's because we have misunderstood what the Bible really teaches about salvation and about eternal life. The context of the passage I read just a moment ago in John 17 is very significant. This is the same evening that Jesus had his last last meal with his disciples. We called it the Last Supper. It's where he instituted the Lord's Supper that you and I observe here in the Christian church today. It immediately follows what the the Bible calls, or what we call in the Bible, the upper room discourse. Three chapters from John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is having a very uh, detailed conversation with his disciples. It is that night that he was taken into custody. It's that passage where he talks about, I'm going away to heaven to prepare a place for you. Uh, It's the passage where he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives and the world until Christ returns. it's, it's a wonderful passage, this upper room discourse, and Jesus is pili- fi- basically giving final instructions to his disciples before he's going to be taken into custody and crucified uh, and, and buried. This is hours, literally hours, before he would be taken into custody and then crucified the very next day. Some commentators call this the real Lord's Prayer. We call the Lord's Prayer the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, but this is really the Lord's Prayer. This is his prayer. This is Jesus talking to the Father uh, hours before he would be crucified. And so we get to to listen to him share his heart with his heavenly Father here. And so I want to ask us the question this morning, what does he pray for? What does he pray for uh, as the cross is looming only hours away? I can think of what I'd be praying for if I knew I was about to be crucified if I knew that my disciples were about to, to be abandoning me, I would, I would be concerned about myself. And Jesus begins this prayer uh, with a little bit of praying for himself, if you will, in these verses, but then he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all believers over all time. But what does he pray for in this particular moment in time? He prays that he might be able to give us eternal life. Eternal life is the theme Of John's gospel you find the term throughout the 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 gospel John states his purpose he's the only gospel writer to do this at the very end of his book we're in the chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 John says Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God And that by believing you may have life in his name. And so John wrote his whole gospel, his account of Jesus' life and teaching and preaching, so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that the Old Testament prophets uh, said would come, and that by believing in him we might have life in his name. It's John's gospel that gives us the most um, uh, famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. It's in John's gospel that we learn that Jesus said, I came that they might have life and then they might have it abundantly or they might have it to the full, John 10, 10. And it's in John's gospel that Jesus defines for us eternal life. We don't have to wonder what it is. We don't have to get theologians to, to tell us what it is. Jesus himself defines the life that he came to bring us. And he tells us in that same passage I read that it is available to us because that Jesus completed the work that the Father assigned him to do on this earth. And so I want to look for just a few minutes this morning at Jesus' definition of eternal life. It's in verse 3. Here's what it says. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, he's talking to the Father, the only true God, And Jesus Christ whom you have sent that's the definition of eternal life that we would know God the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent notice what eternal life is not eternal life is not knowing about God or having the right doctrinal beliefs eternal life is not about praying the right prayer to receive Christ Eternal life is not meeting the minimum essential requirements to get to heaven when we die. Eternal life is not something only in the future. Eternal life is a relationship. It is knowing God intimately and experientially. The fact that we can know our Creator, to me, is mind-boggling. We read in the earliest pages of recorded Scripture that God created this earth just by speaking words. He brought this world into existence out of nothing, just by speaking. And all of the miracles throughout the Old Testament that God performs, including raising his son from the dead in the New Testament, all the things that our God can do, all the things that he can know, the Bible tells us that we can know him intimately. That is mind-boggling to me. And not only can we know God, but that is what God wants for each one of us, to know him personally through Christ, is eternal life. The eternal life the Bible talks about is not primarily about duration. It is about quality of life. It is qualitatively different from human life on this earth apart from God. There is a distinct qualitative difference. Between eternal life that is given those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and the life that any normal human would live apart from him. It describes the kind of life that one has with Christ and in Christ, as the Bible would say. It is marked by Christ's presence. I know that the Psalm 23 predates uh, Jesus' physical existence on this earth. It does not predate him. But it talks about a relationship that sheep have with our shepherd. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that we are Jesus' sheep. And so you you look at the 23rd Psalm and it talks about this daily relationship with our shepherd who takes care of all of our needs in life so that we don't have to be afraid of anything and that we don't lack anything. And in John's Gospel in the 10th chapter, Jesus said, My sheep, referring to us as believers, know me and they listen to my voice and they follow me. And so part of this eternal life that the Bible talks about is a life that is marked by Christ's presence with us and in us every day. It's also marked by Christ's power. I love what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ, which is what we're talking about today. He, he understood what eternal life was. He said, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection, Paul wasn't talking about experiencing that power when he went to heaven one day. Paul was talking about in his life on this earth, he wanted to experience the power of the resurrection as he lived out his walk with Jesus. And the life of eternal uh, life that Jesus came to bring us is marked by that kind of power in our life today. It's also marked by Christ's peace. You know, the, the, the single verse right before John be, uh, G, uh, Jesus begins this prayer in John's gospel is that verse that says, In this world you'll have, you'll have trials and tribulations, but take heart or, or, or be encouraged. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus lays out for them that there's going to be some troubling days com- coming for them, but they don't need to be troubled. They can have joy in that because Jesus has overcome the world. And so there's a peace that the Bible talks about, that Jesus talked about, that is ours in Christ, that it's not available to anybody apart from him. So this eternal life that Jesus is talking about, that the Bible talks about, is marked by Christ's peace. It's a peace that the Bible says is beyond human comprehension. And those of you and I who are believers, we know that peace experientially. We have experienced the coronavirus, it may be the death of a loved one, it may be any number of things, but we have experienced this peace that is a part of the eternal life that Christ came to bring. And it is also a life that is marked by Christ's purpose. When you and I embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, we no longer live for ourselves. We don't have to live for the things of this world. We are living for the one who has bought us with his blood. And so we have purpose in life that people who don't have Jesus don't have. John Ortberg, who was the man who wrote a book, Eternity is Now in Session, which has helped me to put this uh, sermon series together, says, the kind of knowing God that is eternal life is an interactive relationship where I experience God's presence and favor and power in my real life on this earth. This is the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring in John 10.10. It is primarily a qualitative life. It doesn't talk necessarily about duration. The eternal life the Bible talks about is available now. By grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. It does not begin after death, but at that point when God touches us with his redeeming grace and draws us into a personal relationship with him. That is the moment that eternal life begins. God is not waiting for eternity to begin. He lives in it now, and he invites us to live in it with him. As still as we live in this world, we're not fully there yet, but we are there in the sense that eternal life is ours to experience now in this life. You know, it's very interesting. In the Gospels, in Matthew's Gospel in particular, the Bible says that Jesus went about preaching. Now, we know he was a teacher. We've recorded a lot of his teachings and the parables and different things. We know he was a healer. We know he was a helper. We knew he did all things. But the Bible also says that Jesus preached the good news. And so what did Jesus preach? What was his message? His message was essentially that the kingdom of God is here. Now. Now. Mark, uh, Matthew 4, uh, 17, the kingdom of, repent for the kingdom of God is his hand. That's his, that's his first sermon. It's a short sermon. Jesus' message was that the kingdom of God is not something we get to the future. The kingdom of God is here on earth now. Jesus came to do more than die on the cross for our sins, though he certainly came to do that. Jesus came to bring God's kingdom to earth in a way that it had never been here before. God's kingdom is the effective range of God's will. As you and I yield to God's lordship in our life, the kingdom of God is present here in our lives and on our earth. In fact, Jesus told us that we're to pursue that kingdom. We, we know that verse in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's that right relationship with him. And all these things that you're worried about, those will all be added to you. You seek and pursue and expand the kingdom Is what Jesus instructs us to do Jesus teaches us how to pray in what we call normally the Lord's Prayer thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven not someday in the future now that's our that's part of our daily prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray he never told us to pray to take us away from this earth so we can go to heaven no we're to ask God to establish his kingdom where we are now today To live voluntarily under his reign now on this earth. We have reduced salvation to to being solely about going to heaven when we die. And we have lost the promise and the power of the gospel in the process. Salvation is not about relocation. It's not about going to heaven one day. Salvation is about transformation. It's about life change in your life and mine on this earth. Jesus doesn't want to get us, just want us to get us to heaven one day. Jesus wants to get heaven into us today and our days on this earth until we finally go to that final destination with him. We need to stop thinking about eternal life as a future reality. It is life under God's reign and power now. And finally, the eternal life the Bible talks about is possible only by following Jesus. Let me say that again. The eternal life the Bible talks about is possible only as we follow Jesus. We are to embrace him as both Savior and Lord. To save us from our sins, yes, but also to be Lord of our life. To be the one who who guides and directs us through life. We have dangerously defined salvation as meeting the minimum entrance requirements to go to heaven to saying the right prayer, to having the right answers to questions of doctrine and belief. What is the bare minimum we ask I have to do to have eternal life? Do you know there are people that asked Jesus that while he was here on this earth? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What's the bare minimum is what they're asking. Can you imagine asking that question to your fiancé on your wedding day? What's the bare minimum I need to do to stay married to you? It would be a very short wedding ceremony. And yet we do the same thing when it comes to our salvation. We want Jesus to be our our Savior, but we don't want him to be our Lord. We want the guarantee or the ticket to get to heaven one day when we die, but we don't want someone to tell us how to live our life now. It's the same thing as saying we trust you enough to save us, but we don't trust you enough to live for you. Jesus never said to believe the right things and we'll go to heaven when we die. His call is far more compelling. It's far more costly. It's far more life-changing. The Bible never defines the word Christian. You won't find the definition of Christian in the Bible. It never calls anyone to become a Christian. Jesus never used the term Christian. In fact, the word is found only three times in the entire New Testament. Jesus didn't command us in the Great Commission to make Christians. He commanded us to make disciples. The term disciple is found 269 times in the New Testament. Being a disciple entails discipline. If we want to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us, the logical step is to become his disciple. That's his invitation. To be a student to be an apprentice, to be a follower of Jesus. That's what he tells us to do in the New Testament. I came to bring you eternal life. I came to bring you abundant life. Follow me. Jesus is telling us the key to experiencing the abundant life is following him on a daily basis. Jesus came indeed to bring us, each one of us, eternal life. It is a quality of life that is impossible without Him. It begins the very moment we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. And the key to experiencing this abundant life, this eternal life, is following Jesus every single day. That's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. I hope you'll join us in subsequent Sundays as we talk about the abundant life that Christ came to bring. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son, for his willingness to accomplish the work that you assigned him to do from the beginning of time. And thank you, Father, that 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 accomplished work on our behalf is what gives us the opportunity to experience eternal life and all that it means, all that the Bible teaches us that it means. And so, Father, thank you not only for the physical life that we have on this earth, but thank you for the spiritual life that is ours by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross on our behalf. But, Father, help us not to shortchange what you came to bring us, but to live it to the full by following your Son one day at a time until you take us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so I need to ask you this morning, do you have eternal life? As Jesus defines it. Do you have an intimate knowledge of the God who created you in His image and who has called you into relationship with Him, asking you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? My friend, if you're listening over the radio, if you're joining us live stream, if you view this later as you go onto our website, God loves you and He wants you to have eternal life. That's why He sent Jesus to this earth. You can place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never done that before, right in your home, in your car, wherever you are, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and receiving the gift of eternal life that God wants to give you. Christian, you and I need to stop living the Christian life the way that we do sometimes. Shortchanging all that Christ came to bring us, the abundant life, and living as if nothing has really changed. We've celebrated His resurrection. We're going to go back to our normal life. We have been transformed because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. And you and I need to be living with his presence and his power and his peace and his purpose in our life in a way that is distinctly different, qualitatively different than the rest of the world. So maybe that's our decision today, to embrace the eternal life that Jesus came to bring us as he defines it, knowing God in an intimate way and following Jesus each and every day. This is a message that has me excited about the gift that God has given me and given you. And I pray that you find it the same. Amen.
7: The love of God is. Bright. to all to bring abundant life for God so long- sharing of your faith
8: the words to share his love I just want to give a shout out to all of our sewing ministry who's been making um, masks just constantly um, bringing them to us so I can go deliver them we've made over 550 masks and we've already delivered them to the hospital foundation for the use at the hospital as well as to the police department so I just want to say thank you and it's not too late to join in because they're still needed so will you join me in prayer please I'm reminded this morning that no matter how bad things seem to get, we still need to share your love. Help us to find the little things to make things better for others, dropping them a note, a hot meal, or whatever. I pray that we will know you as our Savior and Lord intimately, and that we will share about our relationship with with others. Another way we can share your love for us, God. My prayer is that when we look back on all of this pandemic, We will have spent time knowing you better, God, and we will have shared about our relationship with you as we share your love. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm Garen Gamble,
2: your church administrator, and I'm here again to say thank you. Because of your faithfulness and generosity, our year-to-date giving is the best it's ever been. Let me say that again. It's the best it's ever been. You're using the website, you're using the Church Life app, you're mailing checks or dropping them off or using the automatic draft and we greatly appreciate it. I know I sound a little bit like a broken record and some of us can remember the old days of vinyl records when if there was a scratch or a piece of dirt in the groove, the needle would bounce and it would repeat the same two or three seconds of a song over and over again until you gave it a little bit of a shove. So if I sound like a broken record, I'm glad to be playing a great song that song is you're being generous thank you and keep it up it's so much better than that other song that we've sometimes had to sing of things are a little bit behind check your giving and see if it's what you want it to be. Some of you are even giving extra and because of that just this week we were able to increase the amounts that of the scholarships that we were able to award to our college students for this coming year so again thank you it's great to know that you love your church and you want it to remain strong thanks again for your generosity and faithfulness
5: good morning receive the benediction from verse 3 of easter people raise your voices every day to us is easter with its resurrection song even when life overwhelms us easter people sing this song alleluia Alleluia, everlasting Sunday song.
9: Restore every heart